In the summer of 2001, 2001, that's how we used to say it, more than 20 years ago now, I went on a road trip with two of my closest friends. We drove from San Francisco to Yellowstone Park, there and back. All in all, the trip was about two weeks long. On the way home, my friend, a guy who grew up outside Moscow in a town called Troitsk, he started teaching me a few Russian phrases and the Russian alphabet. I was 18 at the time. We just graduated from high school. And this was my introduction to the Russian language. About two and a half years later, having just returned from six months in Moscow, I met up with the same Russian friend, and I told him that I'd learned a new phrase. Mikhail Khodorkovsky сделал свой бизнес прозрачным. Now, I'm saying it with an accent, because I have an accent, but I, that what that means is Mikhail Khodorkovsky, the, the oligarch, the former oligarch, made his business transparent, meaning, you know, not corrupt. It was a bizarre thing to learn. My teachers in the education abroad program that I, where I was studying were clearly devoted liberals. And MBK, as he's known, had just been arrested a couple of months earlier in Russia on a runway in Siberia, if I'm not mistaken. And he would spend the next 10 years in prison on various embezzlement and money laundering charges, some more compelling than others. I remember this today because I came to the world of Russia studies from afar, all the way out in California where I grew up. And my work remains extremely remote today. I live in New Haven, Connecticut. With the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, a lot of expertise about Russia is again remote. It simply isn't safe for many journalists and researchers to be in Russia today, given the militarized censorship of speech related to the invasion of Ukraine. So what happens when Russia experts are forced to work outside of Russia, when access to audiences, writers, and source material narrows so suddenly? How does our grasp of Russia change? That, in a nutshell, is the subject of today's episode. Welcome to The Naked Pravda. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to The Naked Pravda. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, the managing editor of Medusa's English Language Edition. For today's show, I spoke to Olga Irisova, a German chancellor fellow at the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation and the editor-in-chief of Riddle, an online analytical platform that publishes expertise on Russia in various fields. Before jumping into today's interview, allow me to remind listeners that Medusa now relies on contributions from our international audience to sustain our work. Every day, millions of people from Russia and other countries read our news coverage. Even though they're now based abroad, our journalists obtain exclusive information about what goes on behind the closed doors of the Russian authorities. In English, our team delivers Medusa's most important stories and reaches thousands of journalists and professionals all over the world with a special newsletter and podcast. This one, in fact. So please visit our website to make a one-time or recurring donation and tell your friends and colleagues about our fundraising if you can. All right, let's get to this week's show. On November 29th, about a month ago, the Russian Attorney General's office designated the analytical platform Riddle as an undesirable organization, making the entire operation illegal in Russia. On December 14th, Russia's Justice Ministry made it official and added Riddle to its list of undesirable groups. Riddle's editor-in-chief, Olga Irisova, told me how this new outlaw status affects the project's access to readers and experts, what pressures Riddle faces in the West, and we talked about the challenges of writing about and researching Russia amid full-scale war, a massive crackdown on free speech, and a lot more. I even got her to tell me what she thinks makes a good essay. 
That and more in the interview. Now here it is. For listeners who are hearing about Riddle for the first time, how would you how would you describe it? It's an analytical platform. I'll give I'll give the I'll give listeners the, the basic rundown. You could fill in the finer details. It's an analytical platform that publishes expertise on Russia and and the surrounding region uh, in various fields. You know, you've got politics, economics, society, and a lot more. Actually, the website has a really great breakdown of all the different subjects. What else should people know about this this uh, project, this website? So, to begin with, we launched. Riddle in 2018 uh, with the aim of providing quality, unbiased analysis to everyone free of charge, free of subscription. And one of our main goals was to give the platform to young experts, to young voices inside and outside of Russia who specialize, who focus on their studies on Russia. And being myself from, not from Moscow, but from Russian region, I'm from Udmurt Republic. I found it very difficult at first, first steps of my career to find a platform to publish my analysis, my research. So our aim was to help these young voices, to give them the platform to speak. And we also publish everything in two languages simultaneously, in Russian and in English. Sometimes uh, it's a problem for Russian researchers being from Russian regions to write in proper English. So that's why we translate their pieces into English uh, ourselves and we edit them so that they would sound more, more in terms of how things done in uh, the U.S. or in Great Britain. Also, our goal was to find new names because obviously there are websites like Carnegie Moscow and some other think tanks that publish, let's say, stars of uh, Russian political analysis. And we were trying to find not only young, but also like new voices. So people who work uh, in Russian uh, universities, uh, Russian regional universities, and sometimes they have great expertise, but no one knows them outside of their universities and outside of their regions. Another goal was to build a sort of bridge between academic community and and society, because obviously there are so many uh, papers that academics publish every year. But uh, let's be honest, only a few people outside uh, of the academic circle read these uh, papers. So that's why we asked our academic colleagues to rewrite their academic research in analytical manner so that it would be more readable for for the audience of uh, Riddle. How has or does either the war or the new undesirable status that the authorities have slapped on Riddle, does that, how does that complicate your work of amplifying these like lesser heard academic voices inside Russia. It sounds like that you can now only work with people that have left Russia, I guess. But is there are there a lot of people like that? Like is your is the pool of experts you can draw from, is it dramatically different? Or is it just they've all moved outside Russia and you're just working with those people still? So our problem started not with the status of 
undesirable organization, but they started in April when our website was blocked mm. in Russia after we published research regarding the losses among the troops of the Russian army with the emphasis of ethnic minorities. So uh, we got blocked and that's when we experienced some problems uh, with reaching our Russian readers. After that, we add a PDF convert button into our website and we also started to send the full text of our articles in Russian uh, language in our uh, weekly newsletter. Also, some authors who work inside the Russian academia, they decided not to work with us after the start of the war because we called uh, what, what's happening as it is. So we didn't call it like a special military operation. We, from the start, we called it a war because it is a war and just war. But back to the time we adjust, we managed to survive. And uh, then when the news came that we were recognized as an undesirable organization, it hit us away harder. Because obviously all those people who are still inside of Russia, who work inside of Russian academia, they cannot work with us anymore. I mean, like technically they can, because our lawyers told us that all the prosecution happened under their umbrella of this undesirable uh, label. They happened only to those who had some connection to Mikhail Kodarkovsky organization. And so far, there were no cases when people were prosecuted for any sort of cooperation with other undesirable organizations. And we are in the list of uh, Ministry of Justice. Oh, my God, I just hate the word justice. So (laughs) referring referring to them. But we are on the 71st phase, number 71. And so far, there were no prosecution whatsoever regarding other organizations who are that, that are also on this list. Yeah. So for those who organize such an organization, it's it's a jail term immediately. But for those who cooperate with such organizations, or first of all, it's not a jail term, it's just a fine. So technically people can still risk and see what would happen, but I would say that the majority of our authors, of our experts who are still inside of Russia, they decided to stop uh, cooperating with with us. And unfortunately, not only them, but also those who are outside of Russia living in exile, but they uh, think that they can go to Russia sometime just like, let's say, to visit their relatives or do right. some field work. They also decided to um, stop working with us. And even some foreigners with no Russian citizenship, but they feel that they might need to cooperate, let's say, with like Rush, some Russian institutions or they would have to get something from Russian archives or copyright with uh, Russian academics who are still inside of Russia. So they also decided not to work with us. So overall, I would say that we lost about 40% of our authors, but the most active ones are still with us. And now we are recruiting new ones, uh, those (laughs) 
brave new names uh, that uh-huh. soon will, will be published on right. our website. Right, right. Do you do you think that that will change? Is that going to change the nature of the expertise that's available, not just at Riddle, but but kind of everywhere, I guess? Because I mean, if unless you're reading Lukianov's website or something, you're kind of you're you're faced with the same challenges that Riddle is facing, which is that anybody writing independently about the war, calling it a war, is going to do that at particular outlets. I mean, this, there's always obviously. I mean, I know you said that you seek out unbiased authors, but but there's always this. There's always some editorial policies at any website where you you say well we're not going to publish that because that's fascism or that's liberalism or whatever you know like and so do you do you see these pressures is this going to kind of further polemicize or polarize expert the expert community or was it kind of always it's just more of the same in terms of that i would say that the experts community as well as the russian society it has already been polarized for many years, and that's what uh, the Russian regime yeah. has managed to achieve. So the current strike of Russian government onto a research organization, because not only we got labeled uh, as undesirable, but also like the Wilson Center, Chatham House, previous Atlantic Council, and I think the more more research organization and think tanks well, will follow our steps in the upcoming weeks. The goal of this process, as I see it, is to cut out Russian academia, those who can still study Russian society or Russian economy or Russian regions from inside of Russia, to cut them out from international community. So that would be more difficult for people who are still inside of Russia to somehow publish their analysis and outside of Russia. but. That's also a huge problem for Russians in exile because we all have to build our own research, our own studies based on uh, the findings of uh, or in reporting of the people who are still inside of Russia. So in that case, our Russian regime is doing a very clever job by cutting out those who are inside from those who are outside. In my next question to Olga, I refer to a scandal at Dozhd, or TV Rain, the Russian independent television network that recently set up shop in Riga, and now finds itself under pressure from the local Latvian authorities following on-air comments by a presenter named Alexei Krestelov. On December 1st, he said in a live broadcast promoting TV Rain's hotline to collect information about Russian draftees' battlefield conditions, And I hope that we were able to help many service members, for example, with equipment and basic amenities at the front, because the published stories and the stories their relatives tell are honestly horrifying. The remarks caused an uproar. Some accused the station of siding with Russian soldiers against Ukraine, trying to make their lives more comfortable on the battlefield, while others insisted that Karostelov was merely trying to make common cause with the Russian public, trying to sympathize in the style of support the troops' yellow ribbons while persuading Russians to oppose the war. Overtly anti-war, TV Rain's editorial board promptly fired Kurostelov, but the controversy continues. And that, my friends, is the context for part of this next question to Olga. We've been talking about kind of the pressures that Russian experts face because of censorship and the Putin regime in Russia. But there was this recent incident with TV Rain where things were said on air that, uh, that, that were 
not the right things. And um, and now TV Rain is is has lost its broadcast license in Latvia, and it, it's been kicked off the cable networks across the Baltics. And it looks like maybe they're going to lose their their studio, and maybe just get kicked out altogether from Riga. Does Riddle face anything like that? Are are there moments where where in the West it's it, there's there are obstacles to operating normally, or is that it's just that's that's kind of a specific thing for maybe TV Rain and other outlets that that are doing more kind of like current events or kind of running commentary on and I, I don't know. I mean, does Riddle have it? Has Riddle faced anything like this? From the Western side, I guess? I would say that we face something like that, but uh, not from the legal bodies of Western countries, but from just from some politicians on Twitter who are very hawkish. And in Riddle, we provide a platform for everyone, no matter what their ideological stance is. So far as their uh, research and their analysis is unbiased, and we also have the peer review procedure. So we don't care whether this person is liberal or non-liberal. If his analysis is unbiased, we will publish it. So if, if there was an expert who said something like, you know, the invasion's good, but, you know, here's how it's failed, and it was a per- perfectly unbiased assessment of how Russian troops did this or that, the other thing... But there were, the, but the like editorial line of the text was, you know, and they should be doing better. Like good, rah rah rah. Would you consider publishing that, or does that does that cross the line? Uh, that crosses the line, just, <laughs> but it's not like it's not uh, about us having like ideology among yeah. our uh, editorial po- um, policy. It's about so the first sentence, like the invasion is good, but we failed in something. It's an it's an opinion. It's not yeah. an analysis. So right. that's why we won't publish anything like I see. that. I see. So and that's why some people criticized us from like even within uh, like branching the position for being not hawkish enough, mm-hmm. just because we always try to be only analytical, only about research, and uh-huh. we use dry language. We right. We didn't use any like emotional yeah. sentences. Uh, we didn't ask the audience just to to go to the streets and to protest. Right. We were only about analysis and research. And mm. for some people, um, it's not enough. It has for, to be, for, has to be for, advocacy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it has to be advocacy, and or it has to be propaganda. You know, but uh-huh. we are not propaganda. We are all about research and analysis. It's just like it's it's not our job. It's not right. what we are doing. Right. But, you're, but you, when you talk about this kind of feedback, you're, are you just referring to like you know Twitter people angry on Twitter or maybe a, a piece some some hate email on an email or something like that? Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing serious. Yeah, nothing serious. Uh-huh. So far, nothing serious. But um, right, knock on wood. But also with the new status of undesirable organization, I think we will face some difficulties with obtaining finances mm-hmm. to keep our work, just because. Obviously, we now cannot attract money from Russians inside of Russia, right. because for them it would be like sponsoring undesirable organization, and that's hard. And uh, we're not that sure how our donors uh, would react to our new status, but we hope that everything would be fine. And we also we are thinking how to minimize the negative impact uh, that the status um, sure. Gave us right. 
And Riddle Riddle has donors in the West that are it's it's securely funded. For it now. has don it has donors on the West, but uh, obviously all these donors they uh, they desire to speak to the audience inside of Russia. And uh, given the fact that we are blocked, and uh, now we don't have an uh, open access to right. a Russian academy inside of Russia, that changes things. Okay. But we are thinking about the ways to minimize this impact. We are thinking about uh, like opening a new platform or doing something like that. But Riddle would, Riddle would survive. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you just about the state of Russian of Russia expertise or expertise about Russia today and about I guess the the surrounding region, but specifically Russia. Some challenges that that I've noticed because a lot of I mean I'm I I often try to read Russian analytical and kind of op-ed content to summarize Fermatiz's newsletter. And two of the challenges that I I feel like are currently that, that currently exist in terms of when you're trying to publish things about opinionated or analytical content for one thing access you know has narrowed enormously and we've been talking about sort of the narrowing of the pool of authors that's available um, and that's true in academia but it's true you know even just in terms of kind of like op-ed current event commentary kind of stuff as well it's a lot harder for journalists to get access to their sources there's this project just did this uh you know investigative report about how medusa's inside insider sourcing is all wrong and uh so this access just all and all, on all sides is narrowed access to authors access to sources etc access to readers you know all of it and then also there's this there's a problem at least for for many people with even the concept of centering russia you know it could be controversial and this is i think true for academics as well given that you know a lot of the people in the field they they feel like the perspective from moscow has kind of an imperial or colonial influence on the way we talk about areas outside of Russia. And the fact, and we also don't talk about those areas enough. So if you come to somebody and say, either a, an editor or just a sort of member of the general public or an expert and say, oh, I've got this new thing I want to say, I want someone to say about what's going on in Moscow, et cetera. And you might find that people push back against that and they say, well, hold on, we talk about that too much. We want to talk about stuff happening in Kyrgyzstan or Ukraine or, and that they're afraid of, there's a lot of fear of amplifying the wrong thing. And uh, I don't know, I've, maybe I'm being oversensitive here, but like a lot of times I often worry if the thing I want to read about or want to write about, it's like, oh, am I supposed to be doing that right now? Or is that bad? Am I being bad? Do you, do you find, do you, do you encounter these, these problems? So I personally don't encounter this problem just because my native republic was also colonized by Moscow. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all understand that now all things are happening inside of Moscow and we all have to pay more attention to what's happening there. But at the same time, we will also pay less attention, but still we pay attention to what's happening in Russian regions. But uh, with the current war going on, not to pay en enough attention to Moscow would be a huge mistake because, yes, obviously Ukraine is doing like a great, brave job uh, defending its territory, defending itself, but Kremlin, Moscow still has 
a nuclear weapon and still has some strong positions in this war, and we cannot ignore them. And uh, Riddle was always uh, only about what's happening in Russian domestic and uh, foreign politics. Uh, it's just our angle, and I've never encountered any criticism because because of the fact that I, in my own studies, uh, focus on Russia and Russian regions, or uh, like Riddle as a platform, also focus only on Russia. It just it's it's what we do, and I think it's a bit different for big news organizations or think tanks that cover not only Russia but like uh, Central and Eastern Europe as a whole, or all regions. Obviously, they cannot so like write ninety percent of their reports on Russia and only ten percent of their reports on like Ukraine, Lithuania, and uh, other states. That would be unjust, but it's not the problem for ours. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, are there? Do you think there are? I mean, I suppose there are. Hold on, let me let me clarify. <laughs> do you think there are major differences between Russian? analysis of Russia and foreigners' analysis of Russia? I mean, I would assume there are, but at the same time, a lot of the experts that that you can publish, certainly, that, that anybody can even work with now outside of Russia, you know, there, there are these sort of expat experts who have left, right? And now they're foreigners too, to some degree. So has there been a convergence of the kind of like expertise that's available about Russia outside of Russia because of all the military censorship and the sort of exodus of people after the February 24th invasion? Or are there still significant differences between the kind of expertise you get from Russian scholars, Russian columnists, and, I don't know, the Brits and the Americans and the French and Germans and so on? So I would say it all depends on the person, on the expert uh, himself or herself, because like previously... Around 35% of uh, Russia, of uh, Riddle experts, uh, they were foreigners. Mm. So like Brits or Americans or uh, Europeans uh, focusing in their studies on Russia. And given that we have peer review procedure, they all uh, had the same level like of deep understanding of their subject as our Russian authors. With the journalism, I think it's this, uh, the story is a bit different because some articles published by like major Western media, not only Western media, but like the, the global media about Russia, they were, uh, I would say, less uh, nuanced uh-huh. than the articles published by Russian authors, either inside of Russia or in exile about Russia, but I think it's, it's fine. (laughs) Russia should not be their focus of every journalist. And also when Americans speak to their readers about Russia, they of course have to simplify things and they cannot just give the whole 30 year context in the one piece. When it comes to Russian authors, they assume that their readers already know a lot, lots of things, so right. they don't have to make these, uh, you know, like key points and yeah. um, 
explaining all these things to to the people. But there is a bit of a clash between uh, those who uh, stayed in Russia and those who left. But this clash is not only about expertise. It's more about the moral moral and ethical implication of the choice, either yeah. to stay or to leave. And unfortunately, I see that lot, lots of people, they just waste their energy and time fighting each other over trying to prove who is right and who is wrong, uh, yeah. what is more justifiable to stay or to leave. And another question is, which areas of studies, which uh, areas of science would suffer most by, with the fact that Russians inside of Russia are sort of cut out from expertise from outside of Russia? I would say that you can still analyze the economic situation, you can still analyze energy, you can still analyze a political situation and political institutions being uh, outside of Russia. But when it comes to studying Russian society, it's crucial to have people who are still on the ground. It's crucial to have a sociologist and other specialists on uh, Russian society uh, staying inside of Russia. So yes, those who are studying Russian society, they would they might suffer most from uh, being cut out from their fields. The last question I wanted to ask was just in the abstract, what do you think makes a good essay? Like what are the things that represent quality analysis and good argumentation? That's a nice question. So <laughs> so my answer would be only my answer and not the answer of uh, our editorial sure, team, sure. just because they all obviously have our own yeah. preferences. I I really love like dry language. I really love. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, you love long... it. <laughs> 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 That's okay. So that yeah, you like that. All right. I love lots of figures, and obviously <laughs> there should be something uh, new that each analytical uh, piece is proving. Right. Yeah, and I love articles based on some bigger research so that might be either like a survey or poll conducted inside of Russia or conducted outside of Russia about Russia and then the author try to rewrite or just use his main arguments and his main findings in an analytical manner and publish it with us so I love these pieces I don't like pieces that somehow mention insiders, sources, uh -huh. just because I don't think that we have capacity to fact check, to, to prove right. whether these uh, sources come from. Uh -huh. So that's why uh, as editor-in-chief, I always try to cut out anything from right. our piece that is based not on open data. Uh -huh. But it's once again, it's it's just like it's it's about the genre that uh, I'm working um, yeah. in. Like more in, it's more academic and scholarly than I yes, than than like pure journalism or or like political technology kind of like stuff. I guess like yeah, yeah, yeah. but that 
that's what concerns my own work. But yeah. on my like free time, I also love like reading pieces written, let's say, by Ilya Azar. Is uh -huh. uh, long reads, yeah. uh, long sad reads uh, right. with a lot of sarcasm. Uh -huh. So uh, I would uh, I cherish sarcasm in journalism work. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so. Okay, all right. You've been listening to The Naked Pravda. On today's show, you heard from Olga Irisova, a German chancellor fellow at the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation and the editor-in-chief of Riddle, an analytical platform recently banned in Russia as an undesirable organization. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for supporting our work at Medusa. Until next time.